0: Hello, this is IP Stories by 4IP Council, a podcast about innovation and intellectual property. Join us and you'll hear about the journeys through invention, creation, and IP understanding of our guests. I'm Fernanda. And I'm Marta.
1: The interview today is part of our special for the World Intellectual Property Day, Women and IP, accelerating innovation and creativity.
2: And I'm Axel. Today, we are happy to welcome Diana Pani. Diana, thank you so much for having this chat with us. First of all, would you tell us a bit more about yourself and your career?
3: Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Axel, Mar- Marta, and uh, Fernanda for having me in this, uh, in this podcast. So, uh, as you said, I'm Diana. I'm, um, well, I'm actually originally from Albania, but I've been living in Montreal, Canada for a good part of my life now. I work at uh, InterDigital, which is a a research and development company that focuses on the technology advancements of um, wireless and uh, video technologies. I've been here for, I don't know, 18, 19 years. And uh, currently, I am the head of the wireless standards and innovation team here. Uh, therefore, basically, I lead the a team of engineers that work on the standards and also research and development of 3GPP technologies and also Wi-Fi. So that's one part of my job. And then I have a second job, or I also call it a hobby, <laughs> which is attending the 3GPP standards meetings. So I, I've been attending the round two meetings since... Uh, 2008, so almost 15 years of my life in 3GPP. So I don't know if uh, you know what 3GPP is, but it's basically a global standards organization that has been in charge of developing the cellular technology as we all know it, uh, 3G, 4G or LTE. And we are currently continuing the advancements of uh, 5G technology. And uh, during this time in uh, 3GPP, I've also been uh, the lead of one of the working groups, RAN2. I've acted as a vice chair for two terms, uh, and the RAN2 is actually the group that does the radio layer two and layer three protocol of the wireless communications. And I still actually continue chairing some sessions, and that's why I call it uh, a hobby.
1: It's great that you explained also what the meetings are about, because that's something that not everyone might know. So thank you so much, uh, Diana, for that introduction. So who wants to go first?
0: I, I can go first. Um, so 18 years of uh, working at like the same company, it's a lot of time. And I have to ask you, like, what do you like the most about your job?
3: Uh, so Fernanda, it's a, it's a, it, it's it's a good point. Every time I say 18, 19 years, I say, oh my god, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the reason why I've been here for a long time is because I really enjoy the um, the environment. It's a in, it's an innovation environment, right? So I'm surrounded with people that are continuously challenging the status quo of the technology. We're always trying to find like new problems, things to make better, and we're challenging each other. You're always trying to come up with uh, new ideas, new solutions, and you see how your ideas are impacting the industry and the future of uh, wireless technologies. And then you know eventually these technologies get implemented into phones. So when you see it, happening it's actually a very great satisfaction that your work is being adopted somewhere right so that's a great part of the job the other part is i've been in so many positions during this 18 19 years that i've always had an opportunity to just learn learn from people i work with learn from uh, you know the technologies that are developed developing, learn from new industries that are coming in. You know, the automotive industry is just a moving target. Right. And that's, what's great about it. And then I think there's also the standards part and that I really love because I'm surrounded by, I think the best in the industry. I think the greatest minds combined together. I don't know if I mentioned, but there's more than a hundred companies that attend this meetings and you're learning from everybody. You're learning about the products, you're learning about deployments, you're learning about technology. So I think in essence, it's a learning environment. And I think that's why I love it. And I've always said, until I keep on learning, I I will remain doing what I'm doing. And the moment I'm not learning anymore, then it's probably time to look at something else.
1: Yeah, that's such a great point. Uh, I completely agree. Also, it's true that it's uh, it's very interesting to see your your trajectory because although you have been in Interdigital for all that time, but it's true that you have been moving so much <laughs> and doing so many different things. Um so another question that comes to mind is um you know what do you think led you to the point where you are today? This is a very abstract question, so yes. <laughs>
3: I, I think uh, you can go in many directions with this question. <laughs> and of course, there's been many things that have influenced uh, where I am today. I think it probably started with uh, my decision to go into engineering, right? More specifically, electrical engineering. When you're young, you never really know what you wanna do. And of course, I loved sciences and math, so that had a big role to play, but. Uh, when i was deciding i remember my mom telling me that you know if you like engineering you like sciences then you can do it it's probably best you study engineering then you can do anything else after you can switch to economics you can do whatever you want but if you start with something else like let's say economics then you cannot really go back to engineering so i think that was a first decision that i took Obviously, that has led me to where I am today. I think there's a few other things. Also, the fact that um, I I was fairly independent since a very young age. I think I I lived uh, by myself with uh, with a friend since I was 16 or 18. I mean, or 17. I moved to Canada by myself when I was 18. Nobody even came to bring me here. So, and then I learned, you know, to to work for whatever I wanted to do and try hard and not give up easily. I think my motto has always been just try. And if you fail, well, you'll learn and you can try again. (laughs) But if you don't try, you will never know whether you could succeed or not. And And then, um, I mean, the other part too is like I said, is being in different positions throughout my career and learning from every position and taking every challenge as an opportunity to learn. You know, I, I was first an innovator for many years and a researcher, and then that allowed me to be able to lead innovators and engineers and foster an environment where creativity and challenging the status quo was a primary way of working. So this, this types of things have led me to where I am. And, you know,
2: um, I've been participating to starization organizations for four so decades. And I have to say that it is very refreshing to see such a successful woman in the STEM industry as, because we have to, to say it today that is very male dominated still, which is also the case in stars development organizations what are the major challenges you faced as a sterilization creator and as a woman in this field
3: so so excellent it's so a, it's a very good question I'd, I'd like to say that after so many years i i no longer see the challenges but the beginning of course uh, there was quite a few challenges that uh, i encountered i think maybe the first one is uh, being faced with such an environment i think as a young uh, woman out of school or even with a few years of experience being thrown in an environment dominated by males it's of course a little bit intimidating at first and also trying to figure out how you fit in and how to work with uh, with men is a initial though you have to pass. But after a little bit of time, you realize, hey, it's actually great to work uh, with men and have them as your peers, because at some level, they, it's, it's simple because they're transparent and they tell you how things are straight away. And then you try to adapt and fix things. I think the other challenge that I think is maybe a challenge that probably a lot of women see, and this is what I experienced, of course, right? Everybody experienced different things, was when going first to a standards uh, setting, as a woman, it takes a lot more effort to prove yourself. I think, of course, uh, whenever you go to a new setting for anybody, you need some period of uh, proving yourself that you're technically capable and people can come to you to ask questions. But I think for women, that hurdle is not the same as for men. I think women have to work a little bit harder to to overcome this first step. And I remember going first and saying, okay, well, I can, I can be as good as these guys, so of course, with some work. And my goal was to prove that I was technically strong. So I spent a lot of time making sure that every comment I made, every everything I discussed was technically sound and that I was reasonable and I was able to discuss things with them at the same level without making any mistakes. And then I think soon enough, once they see that, well, you're just like them, you're their peer, then they treat you equally. And I think that's refreshing to see that you can get there. It just takes a little bit more work than others, probably. And I, I hope that I know things have been changing over the years, and I hope that it's not as difficult for other women. And I hope that by having more women prove that they're capable in succeeding in this industry, then this barrier becomes a bit easier to pass when new women enter the industry.
0: That, that's very refreshing to, to hear. Um, I, I heard you mentioning uh, changes. Um, do you see any uh, changes happening regarding uh, gender equity, especially in the last few years?
3: It's a it's a interesting question <laughs> so I see academically and everywhere you hear you know diversity is good we should have more women pursuing uh, st- studies in the stem uh, you know direction and doing more engineering but unfortunately when i look at the career path of women i i don't see as many women entering at least my space right the telecommunication electrical engineering space and this is just a personal observation i don't have statistics but uh, you know given we have a big team we try to recruit very often and the reality is we do not see as many CVs or resumes for women. We don't see as many women applying. The percentage is very, very small. So it, it, it makes me believe that I don't think we are doing enough to encourage women to study engineering, because I think that's where it starts. It starts from the education and it starts at an early stage. And I, I, I hear, of course, you know, companies having efforts on uh, encouraging women and trying to equalize how many men and women they are hiring. But I don't necessarily think that's the solution because in a way, I, sometimes I think it works uh, against women because it gives the perception that women are getting the job just because of their gender. But I'd like to see women getting their job because they deserve to be there, right? I, I, I wouldn't want to get something because I'm a woman, right? I, I'd like to get it because I, I, I deserve
1: it. It's a complicated question because uh, it is true that at the end, like, what's important into is to start from from education to make sure that more women go to university, so that when it comes to applying for jobs. Uh, or or doing anything really you don't have always the same few women <laughs> that you know have come through the other side
3: yeah exactly and and it's interesting uh, marta because like I see it in the standards meeting, right? Because that's where you're exposed to different companies, different cultures from all over the world. There are countries, for example, where you do see a lot more women, especially recently. I think China is a good example of that. There's, I I find there's a lot more women coming from Chinese companies into standard setting. And also I think some of the Scandinavian countries have a lot more women attending the meetings, and I think that is helping, of course, uh, you know, it's the standards organization introducing and accepting more women, but I don't see the same level in North America, for example.
1: You, you said a sentence before that I really liked about the fact of uh, you starting by being an innovator, you know, in research, um, and that's the best way to then be able to lead a team of innovators. I completely agree with that. I would like to know, um, how do you develop an inventor or innovator mindset?
3: That's a a good question, Marta, because I I think there's two aspects to this, right? There's a, uh, I think there's some traits that some people have that make them more inclined to be innovators. And of course there's some other traits where you can develop and encourage. But I guess the main question is what is really an inventor mindset? I I think there's a few key characteristics. I I think one of them is being curious, right? You you need to be very curious. You need to be able to, to challenge what you see and have the mindset, hey, we can do better. And the mindset of always finding a problem, because if you don't find a problem, you cannot make things better, right? And thinking of problems as an opportunity to improve things, as an opportunity to create better solutions, and 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 then you also have to have this. Uh, ability to create the solutions and think of different ways of addressing a single solution because especially in the industry we're in, there's never a single way of doing something. There's many ways of doing things and then understanding what are the pros and cons of each way of doing things is also an important aspects of the job. And to be an innovator, I think you also need to always learn you need to be a uh, expert in what you're doing, because if you're not an expert, I think you cannot find a real problem to work on. And then you cannot find a solution that will work at the end. So I, I, I think teaching people to always question and encouraging them to always learn and work in a collaborative way because i think that's the best way to 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 invent in a way i think you need to be able to talk to each other to learn from each other and challenge each other and and i think it's interesting because whenever we would have people join our team sometimes discussing about new opportunities if they weren't used to the mindset of Challenging whatever idea was being thrown, they would take it a bit personally, like, oh, you're, you're offending my idea, but then, you know, you have to teach people, no, it's not offending your idea, it's making your idea better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think the other thing is uh, not being scared to fail, right? Fail meaning not being scared to come up with something that doesn't work, because you're going to have to keep on trying to find something that actually works and is useful.
0: So since we're on the topic of innovation, um, I would like to ask you, what is uh, for you, the relationship between um, intellectual property rights and innovation?
3: So, so Fernanda, I think uh, intellectual property rights have a very big role to play in terms of uh, encouraging innovation and creativity. In a way, if you think about it, it's the only means you have to to safeguard or protect your idea and it's not just an idea that you come up by instantaneously sitting and coming up with it you need to spend time you need to spend money uh, you know you see companies spending millions and billions of dollars towards innovation and if there's no way to protect these ideas then people would have no incentive. To spend so much time and money because then anybody can just take the idea that could have taken you years and copy it and reap the benefit of it. And by doing this, it drives the value of your idea down. So, so basically I think the IP rights set the value of your invention. I think your invention is very unique in many ways and it allows you to get the real value of your idea and eventually rip the benefits of it. And if we didn't have IP rights and innovation, I think we wouldn't be living in a world that's advancing at the pace it is advancing now. I think we would all suffer one way
2: or another. But then, you know, it leads me to to the question because you talked a lot about ideas and the the idea creation is something that is far from being easy. Uh, You need to be shy. You need to make sure that, you know, you want to solve a problem, a clear problem, and you said it very well earlier, but what can you tell us about the path from creating an idea to filing a patent application?
3: So, so, Axel, um, I, I guess, is, is the question also how you come up with the idea or straight from the idea to the patent application?
2: I believe that not all the ideas can actually lead to something really new. So what makes the connection between an idea and then to become a patent application?
3: Okay, yeah, it's, uh, thanks for the clarification, Axel. So you're, you're absolutely correct, right? Not all ideas can become uh, inventions so i think like i said before to create an idea that would be an invention first of all like i said you have to address a a real problem right you need to have a good understanding of the technology Uh, then once you have a good idea of the problem and the technology and what has been previously done to address this Problem, then you come up with ideas and solutions. Now, as engineers, we always come up with great ideas and solutions. But as you said, Axel, not everything can be a patent or is an invention because for something, for an idea to be an invention, I think first it needs to be new, right? So, to your knowledge, you need to know whether this idea has ever been discussed or thought of from anybody else based on what you know obviously and then second of all you need to think was this idea inventive and inventive just means was this idea is this idea obvious could anybody have come up with this idea anybody that knows the technology come up with this or is this something inventive and not obvious to somebody that's skilled in, in the art, right? So once you identify that this idea is new and novel, then you can file it as a patent. And of course, filing as a patent, uh, the process for that depends on where you are and which jurisdiction in the world you're going to file this patent. There's different processes to it. And, and during the process of filing, of course, there are people uh, in the patent offices that scrutinize the idea and they also ensure that it's novel and inventive. And then if it's not, of course, the, the patent doesn't get granted. And and of course, there's iterations between the patent um, agents uh, and the, the inventors to ensure that the idea is clear. And. And Axel, I think maybe that brings me to another important point is that, yes, you can have an idea. Yes, it could be novel and inventive, but you also need to be capable of explaining the idea in simple simple terms and writing it in a way that other people can understand and that it is clear what is new in your idea compared to what you know from previous uh, previous art.
1: Um, From this chat that we are having, Diana, there is one sentence that I really, really liked, um, which is uh, the idea of not being afraid of failing. Um, I really like that. And and I think that that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely something crucial if you want to to start in in innovation. Um, So I would like to know, uh, what has been the biggest challenge that you had to face up until this point of your career?
3: Oh, so Marta, it's a good, uh, another good question. <laughs> so I have over the last, uh, I don't know, 20 something years, I think there's been many challenges that I've had to face. Cause of course you're always in new situations, working with different people, different bosses, different understanding of what you do. It's, It's difficult for me to pick a single challenge, right? Because I've thought of my whole career path as multiple challenges along the way. And like I said, I've taken challenges as a opportunity to, to learn and find solutions. So there's nothing that has remained in my mind as like the biggest challenge. I think it's just combinations of different challenges that have led me to where I am and they've given me opportunities to learn and try to find ways to overcome
2: these challenges. Don't worry, because the next question might be even more complicated. So looking back from all your achievements, what are you most proud of? Uh, You you guys are full of difficult questions. (laughs)
3: So, 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 Axel, I mean, I, there's several things I'm, I'm proud of. Of course, uh, being where I am now, I'm, I'm very proud of uh, the team that I'm leading and what I've done with the team and how we've grown together with the team. And then, of course, I'm very proud of uh, thinking back of all the uh, innovations that I have produced in my life and how I've contributed to the industry with my inventions. But I, I would think the biggest accomplishment that I'm really proud of is, uh, is is leading in the 3GPP standards group the first release of 5G. So when 5G first started in uh, 3GPP, I was towards the end of uh, my vice chair term, and uh, I was I was asked to continue chairing because the first 5G release was starting, so the user plane aspects of 5G, which is the layer two protocol that interact with the physical layer and how the signal is sent over the air to uh, the antenna from the device and vice versa. And that work, I, I think it was one of the toughest things I've done because when you're starting a new technology, a new generation of technology, you have, challenge you have a full new set of challenges you have to work with uh, at least more than 50 active companies to develop this together because it's a consensus-based technology evolution and as a session chair or as a leader of the group i am required to moderate the discussions required to be capable of understanding all the issues that were coming in the standards bodies to be discussed prioritizing amongst them fostering an environment of communication and collaboration and finding ways to make people agree because you have a limited time to achieve something and you have to do this in a fair way and in a unbiased way because you have to protect the interests of the industry and all of the companies. And it's a huge challenge because all of these companies have different interests. They have different uh, product interests. They have different innovation interests. Uh, Everybody sees the evolution in a different way. And yet you have to facilitate the discussion such that they all agree with each other. So having gone through this process after a year and a half and successfully completing the first versions of the specifications that are now used to implement every 5G devices and networks, I think it's a it's a great accomplishment for me.
0: I just wanted to say like first congratulations because that's what you just said sounds so complex and incredibly important so i just want to say congratulations for that and it really it really sounds like a huge achievement
1: Diana, thank you so much for for that answer we are truly impressed Um, we would like to know also what's coming up next you know what are going to be your next challenges so so marta as i said i always
3: love a good challenge And uh, after being involved in uh, the three GPP working groups as a session chair and chair and vice chair, I have uh, decided that I'd like to, to take on a new challenge, which is uh, being the round two chair of the whole group. So in uh, August this year, there's a round two elections for the chair, and I am one of the candidates So I am am excited to think about this new challenge for me and this new opportunity to continue contributing to the advancement of the technology and the advancement of uh, cellular technologies in the industry. And and I hope that with my experience and everything that I have encountered over the last uh, 15 years in the standard setting, I I hope that I can bring more improvements to the group, to work in a efficient way, to foster a collaborative environment where people communicate together and advance the technology and push the boundaries of the technologies to the next level while maintaining quality and reliability. And and Marta, I think, it's a new challenge for me because I also think during this time, we're moving towards working on the next generation, 6G. So to me, that combined with uh, having the responsibility of leading this group is a would be a great challenge and opportunity.
0: So this is one last question. Um, what advice would you give to the new generation of engineers and especially to girls coming from the engineering background?
3: First of all, I would like to encourage all the girls out there to start studying engineering and pursue the studying of engineering and hopefully start studying a little bit uh, more electrical engineering and uh, pursuing specializations in the wireless uh, side because it would be great to see more women, at least in my field, but overall uh, in engineering. So it has to start with studying. And then for the ones that are studying, I, I think the key message is don't be intimidated by the environment at the end you will always be peers and you will work together so don't don't be scared i think that's the key uh the key message
1: yeah and i want to say again the don't be afraid of failing because i really like that sentence that you said before <laughs> and i think particularly women we we sometimes tend to be afraid of of failure um Perhaps even more than men, although this is a generalization, I know, but uh, I think it's key not to be afraid of failing.
3: I, I absolutely agree, Marta, and I, I think uh, I think women are a little bit more cautious. I think we take less risks because we type of, we kind of overanalyze everything. So I, I think, and that's why I said before. You have to try, if you don't try, you do not know whether you will succeed or not. And it's okay to try and fail and then try again and find a different way to approach the
1: problem. Well, thank you so much, Diana, for having this chat with us. It's been such a pleasure to to be able to, to speak with you about all these different things and, and to get to know you a little bit better.
3: Thank you, Marta. And Fernanda
0: and uh, Axel too.
1: Thanks for, thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was great to talk to you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to IP Stories by 4IP Council. Visit our website on 4 to find out more and check out the links mentioned during this episode. If you liked it, remember to share and subscribe.